0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's word and apply his message to your everyday life. Visit seekingtruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part two of the book of Genesis, chapter four. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. God has given them a wonderful gift in marriage, male and female open to life. He gives them the opportunity to procreate, to become co-creators with the Almighty God. Man donates the seed, woman will donate the egg, God will breathe his own breath of life and make a new spirit, a new baby, a new child, a new, a new person. It's very Trinitarian and They're in this one flesh clinging, and for that one split second, for that one moment in time, they are actually imaging the Trinity. They are reflecting the Almighty God, and for a moment, time must have stopped. It was so sweet. It was like they were with God again, and they felt as though they had never left Eden or God's presence, and that all was well in the garden. And that's what marital love is. It is a gift. It's a reflection of God. And for a moment in time, you know that everything is well in the perfect marital love that's pure and holy and good and true. It's a gift from God. And nine months later, a third and unique person vibrates out of their love. A baby is conceived and born. So the gift of marital love from God is when two persons become one person in united flesh, open to three persons, very Trinitarian. And in their one flesh clinging, all was right in the world. And I know you know that you've had those times in your marriage where you came together in the most holy, perfect, pure way, and you were in Eden for a moment and all was right in the world and then you wake up. Right? (laughs) And then, and then, and then, and then what? Back to reality. They live in a fallen, disordered, broken world, and they're wounded by sin. They are the first exiles. They are the first immigrants, banished. They are the first exodus, the first departure. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and in the Hebrew, that is yada, and that's the, the marital embrace. It's the most intimate relationship, the marital embrace that is good, pure, holy, where you really know, you have knowledge of someone else, biblical knowledge and intimate knowing. And she conceived, and God must have taught them about offering sacrifice later because their boys uh, will later model the sacrificial prayer to God. But remember this, they must have thought, all the things God said must have ran through their mind. They've been banished now. Remember, Adam, remember when God said to the snake, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I mean... Adam, like, do you think he's talking about my offspring? I was virgin woman at the time, and Satan said this, and, and now I, I I feel something inside me. And I love this prayer, like this foreshadowing of Jesus. And Jesus is the offspring that, that God was talking about. But Eve might have thought, is this coming now? Is this, is this what's happening? And she bore Cain, and she said, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord she realizes she has become a co-creator with God and what an honor and what a gift and what a privilege this is. With the help of the Lord, I've gotten a man. Now scripture says nothing of the curse of her pain in giving childbirth. She didn't say, and it hurt like, you know, (laughs) she doesn't even mention the pain. Because it's worth it. It's worth every minute and you forget so fast. Ladies, if you've ever had the privilege to, to bear a child, I had four totally natural and one I had an epidural. And it's not that bad. We can do it because the minute you hold that baby and love on that baby and nurse that baby, everything's fine. The human body can bear up to 45 delts, the units of pain. Yet at the time of giving natural birth, a mother feels 57 delves of pain. This is similar to 20 bones being fractured at the same time. It's not that bad, right guys? (laughs) She didn't say a word about it in the scripture. It's not mentioned. The pain. I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. She's grateful. She has a new baby in her arms. Someone to love. Someone that loves her. Someone to bond with. It's a gift from God and she knows it. God has gifted them with fertility in their marriage, fecundity, and they continue on with that marital embrace that imaged the Trinity. Because remember her curse. God told her, in pain, you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband. So she keeps desiring her husband, even though it hurt to have Cain. She keeps desiring him. That's a gift from God. They're open to life. And God continued to bless them with the gift of life, the supreme gift of life. And again, she bore another brother named Abel. Now, remember way back in Genesis 1, when God said in the first chapter, God blessed them, the man and woman, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. That's what they're doing. Now they're following God's command. Now they're doing what God instructed them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It's no longer just Adam and the father and the animals. He gave him the gift of the lifetime, Eve. God had allowed him and Eve to be co-creators with himself and reflect (laughs) the Trinity, the Almighty God. This is the new arrangement outside of Eden, and they're learning to live with it. Eve was astute to realize that life was a gift from God, uh, that they would image God, the Trinity, with openness, and with the help of God, she's gotten a man. She's become a co-creator. That's pretty exciting, For love of her child and for love and desire for her husband, she is willing to endure 57 delts of pain again and again and again. For the gift it was to procreate and to co-create with her husband and God. Pretty neat. Steve and I were watching the movie Unplanned the other night and it was a, re- a really, really, really good part and I was really into it and all of a sudden the TV went off and I'm like, what? What are you doing? And I look over and he's got tears running down his face and he goes, will you just tell me what it was like to be pregnant and like to have life inside of you growing and will you just tell me about it? And I'm like, now? Like, I mean, <laughs> Like right in the middle of this movie. I be mean, like, we I've had seven pregnancies. And this is the first time you've ever asked me, and our, our baby just went off to college. Our, now you, you Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we sat and talked, and I said it was the most it was beautiful. I mean, it was life in my body, growing in, and kicking and moving, and elbows and feet, and it was amazing. It was really amazing. It's a really amazing gift. So Names are really important all throughout Genesis. They named the oldest son Cain, which means acquired or I have gotten. That's what what she said. I have gotten a man. I've acquired a man, a procreation. And Abel means breath. Now, remember man's curse, Adam's curse. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, Adam, and you have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam. And in toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. Bread you're going to have to work for, not free bread. Coil, sweat, thistles, thorns, they are definitely not in Eden anymore. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. One's a shepherd, one's a farmer. The older boy is the farmer. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions Now, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But what about Cain? And why did he not approve of his? Well, Cain brings his in the course of time. You know, after a while, he brought God some fruit. Here you go. It was on the ground. (laughs) I don't know. But Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And remember, the ground's cursed, of the cursed ground. And Abel brought of the firstlings, the very first firstlings of his flock. And the fat portions are the absolute best portions. And he brought that to offer the Lord his very best. But for Cain and his offering, the Lord had no regard. And you see how the artist portrayed the fires. One is just blazing to the Lord. Uh, The Lord approves of that one and the other one won't even catch a flame. So Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Cain was very angry, the scripture tells us. We don't even have to guess what his first sin was. Anger. Anger is one of the seven deadly sins. One of the seven capital sins. Deadly is anger. And it's also called wrath. Same thing, anger or wrath. It's one of the seven deadly sins. And if you live with someone Who has anger issues or if you have anger issues yourself you know it can be deadly in relationships this is a poem i like by william blake it's called a poison tree and it's about anger and wrath i was angry with my friend i told my wrath my wrath did end i was angry with my foe i told it not my wrath did grow So when you hold anger in and when you give yourself over to anger and when you let it fester and when you let it boil and when you let it cook, anger is poison. It's a poison tree, especially when it's not brought into the light. And when anger is allowed to fester, it has potential to mortally wound or to kill in Cain's case. So Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord God said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, Cain, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Huh, sin is crouching at his door. Sin's desire is for Cain, but he's got to master it. And he's got to master it without an indwelling Holy Spirit. He's got to do it on his own, pull himself up by the bootstraps and master his anger. Doggone it. Right? Hmm. Don't forget who exited the garden with Cain's parents. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. You better know your enemy's strategies or you don't have a chance in you know what. You better know the enemy. You better know how he operates. You better know his tactics. You better know what you're up against because sin was crouching at his door. Its desire was for him and he has to master it. Remember the curse to the serpent that God said to the serpent, because you've done this curse to you above all the animals, above all the cattle, above all the wild animals. Serpent, upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Who's made of dust? Adam. Who's a chip off the old dust block? (laughs) Cain. Satan's after Cain. Sin is crouching at his door ready to devour him. He has a pet snake, right? (laughs) Satan feeds on the very matter that man is made of. And Cain is a chip off the old block. And Satan would like to devour him. Why? Because maybe he's the one. Remember what his curse was? I will put enmity between you and the woman, the virgin woman. That was Eve at the time. And between your seed and hers, and he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Satan probably thinks this is the kid that's going to crush my head. This is the offspring of woman. This is the one. This is the one God cursed me and told me about. I got to get this kid. I got to crouch at his door. I got to destroy this kid. I got to devour this kid. Cain was the firstborn offspring of the woman. Satan must have said, is this the one? Is this the one who's predicted to crush my head? I got to devour this kid. Same thing was said of Jesus with Herod, Satan working through Herod. He wanted to devour the child the minute it was born. Kill all the kids, kill all the males. Satan tempted the love of Adam's life, which was Eve. And now Satan is going to tempt the love of Eve's life, which is Cain, her firstborn son, the love of her life, the apple of her eye, her baby boy. Satan hates marriage because it reflects the Trinity. Satan doesn't want to look on God. He's been separated from God for all eternity by his choice. Satan hates the domestic family. They will eventually reflect the church, the family of God, the redeemed family of God. Satan hates woman. Why? She's got the womb. She's got the one who's going to have the offspring that's going to crush my head. I got to hate her. She's got a womb. I'll do anything I can to destroy life, says Satan. Satan hates humanity in general. Why? Because Satan refused to serve God's plan to serve humanity, to be a messenger for humanity, for the salvation of them creatures. He hates us. Satan and his demons would much rather see our destruction than our salvation. And that's why they prowl the world seeking the ruin of souls to this day. In the book of wisdom, chapter one, we hear God did not make death. And he does not delight in the death of the living. God is only life. God did not make death. He has no part of death. God created all things that they might exist. And the generative force of the world are wholesome. And there is no destructive poison in them. Wisdom chapter 2. For God created man for incorruption. You're never supposed to die. God created you for incorruption. And made him in the image of his own eternity to live forever. But through the devil's what? Envy. Through the devil's envy, the deadly sin of envy that now Cain has. Through the devil's envy, death entered the world and those who belong to his party experience it. Satan's having an envy party, a death party. And those who follow him experience his party, his death. Through the devil's envy, death entered the world and those who belong to his party experience it. Envy is another one of the seven deadly sins. Choke that green-eyed monster before he chokes you. Because envy kills. Because of envy, death entered the world. Satan's envy. And now Cain has it. Sin is crouching at his door. His desire is for Cain, but he has to master it. He has to rise above it. He can't enter into it. He has to be strong. He has to fight it. He has to know the tactics of Satan. Get it? So do we. Cain said to Abel, his brother, Let us go out into the field, brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The first murder in the Bible, the first physical death, innocent blood crying from the ground. Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. He did not master it. He gave into anger and it gave into envy and it led to murder. It's deadly. Just like his father, God comes looking. God is so merciful. God gives him a chance to repent. Remember when he said, where are you, Adam? Did God of the universe not know where Adam was? God knew. Now he's doing it with Cain. Perhaps a chance to repent. Perhaps a chance to show a contrition of heart. Something, something. The Lord God said to Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel, your brother? Cain said, I do not know. I don't know. Seriously, he just murdered him. I don't know. Almighty, sovereign God of the universe, all-knowing, omnipotent God. I don't know. Not my problem. Whatever. I don't know. Liar. He's following the liar and the father of flies. He's in his party. He was a murderer from the beginning. There's no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks lie. That's Satan. That's his party. Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. And all of us are every brother's keeper. If we could do a whole lecture on this one verse, we are all brothers and sisters because we have the same father and we are all our brother's keeper across the entire world. We all have God the father as our father. So we're all brothers and and, and we are our brother's keeper. Uh, John Paul II wrote a beautiful encyclical called *Humane Vitae about this passage. Cain and Abel, you should look it up. Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Another chance, another chance to repent. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The voice, did you know blood has a voice? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, the cursed ground, right? The voice of innocent blood cries out loudly to God. Whenever there's an injustice like this, innocent blood cries out to God. Innocent blood on cursed ground screams out to God. And we have Abel in the Eucharistic prayer number one a memory of him, as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just. Abel was the just one, Cain the unjust. And now Cain says, God, you are cursed from the ground. Now that's a double whammy. That's a double whammy from God because the ground is already cursed from his father Adam, and now Cain is cursed from the cursed ground. He gets a double double whammy. And Cain is going to have to rely now on others for food. He was a farmer. He brought the fruits. You know, he, he was a co-creator in that he could grow things. Look at this tomato I made. Look at this cucumber I made. And now he, he does not get a farm anymore. The ground is cursed and now it's not going to work for him. God said, even if you grow stuff, it's not going to work for you. you can't, you're not going to be able to produce anything. So he has to rely on others for food. He can't be self-sufficient anymore. Now, Cain, you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand, Cain. And when you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You're not going to be able to grow anything. You're going to be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Now, later in verse 17, we hear that uh, after arriving in the land of Nod, Cain's wife bore him a son named Enoch, who, whose name uh, he built the first city after. Cain is going to build a city of man. They were living in the city of God, but now he's going to make a city of man. It, and it's in the land of Nod. And we'll see how that goes as we continue next week. There's a painting about the land of Nod, his friends, the fugitives and the and the vagabonds and the nomads. It means, Nod means to wander, nomad or vagabond. And Nod is said to be outside of the presence of God. Josephus, the Jewish historian wrote in his Iniquities of the Jew book that the Cain, uh, Cain continued on in his wickedness in the land of Nod. He resorted to violence and robbery, establishing weights and measures to cheat people, transforming human culture from innocence and craftiness and deceit, uh, establishing property lines and building a fortified city. Origen, early church father, defined Nod as the land of trembling. He wrote that it symbolized the condition for all who forsake God. Early commentators treated it as the opposite of Eden, worse still than the land of exile for the rest of humanity. In English tradition, Nod was sometimes described as a desert inhabited by ferocious beasts and monsters. Others interpreted Nod as dark or even underground, always away from the face of God. St. Augustine will describe the land of Nod as a carnal disquietude. And he will write the city of God, which contrasts the city of God to the city of man Cain said to the Lord my punishment is greater than I can bear this is too much I can't do this this is way too much Lord this is more than I can bear behold thou hast driven me this day away from the ground and from thy face I shall be hidden and I'll be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will slay me now is he what's he thinking about looking out for number one. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get slayed. Whoever finds me is going to slay me. He's looking for self-preservation. The Lord God said to Cain, not so. If anyone slays Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord God put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who came upon him should kill him. Now God is marking Cain. God is identifying him in some way. He's marked for God in some way. And this is really super incredible and really merciful of God. If you think about it, he's marking this kid. And later we'll get a mark. We'll get an indelible seal on our forehead that can never be erased that the angels will, will identify. It's the mark of baptism. It's an indelible seal. And grace will be infused back into us, that original grace that we lost, sanctifying grace. And in the Russian Orthodox Church, what they do for baptism is they take olive oil, blessed by the priest, and he applies it to the child's forehead, their breasts, their back, their hands, their feet, their ears, their mouth, in order that they can dedicate their entire self to the service of Christ. Beautiful. And in the Russian Orthodox Church, the Godparent will cover the entire body of the infant with olive oil in order to express the prayer that with that Holy Spirit's help, the infant's going to be able to elude the grip of sin from the evil one. So they take olive oil and just slather up the little body all with oil, so he's so slippery, and it's so that the evil one can't even get a hold of him. He's just slide away with the oil of the Holy Spirit. He'll elude all sin in his life. Isn't that beautiful? The popes, the last pope said that the East and West have to our two churches that must breathe together, two lungs that must breathe together because we both have such rich and beautiful traditions. That gives us a different image, uh, an oiled up little baby that slithers away from the snake. The Lord, God put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who came upon him should kill him. So God is protecting him. Again, God the Father is a protector. He's offering protection to his beloved child, Cain. Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. And Cain dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, Cain didn't come home for dinner that night, and neither did Abel. And you know, Eve's probably thinking, where are my boys? And they go out, and you can just imagine them finding his dead body. They've never seen death like this, and it's their own son that they love, and they can't find the other son. He's banished east of Eden. Further, he's gone. And you can just imagine what was going through their hearts and their minds, and why did we do this? Why didn't we listen? Why did we disobey God? look what's come of this. Why did we not listen to God? And they experienced death for the first time, death of a loved one and kind of a double death because the death of Cain as well. He's gone. It's called fratricide. It's the killing of one's brother or sister. It's murder of one's own blood sibling, their family. It's an internal sin in the family. And it's a Latin word, fratricide. It's derived from the Latin words frater, brother, and side, which means kill, murder, or cause death. Fratricide. There's another word, filicide, in the Latin. It's the deliberate act of a parent to kill their own child. Filicide. Phileas and philia, son and daughter, side to kill, murder, or cause death. Philicide, a parent killing their own child. Now we know the rest of the story. We're baptized. We're full of the Holy Spirit. And still in the United States since 1973, since Roe versus Wade, the United States has had 61,664,677 philicides where a parent kills their own child child. Sobering. We're no better than Cain, are we? But God has also marked us for himself. And God gives us a way out even now, a way out of mortal sin if we bring it into the light of God. But we must repent and we must confess because sin has hardened the hearts of many. And many have rationalized that they don't need to repent and they don't need to confess because this was their choice but Adam and Eve know differently, they know differently. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, God, that you've made a way out with your protective mercy because you do not want us in mortal sin. You want us with you for all eternity and so you made a way and we praise and thank you for that way of salvation and we praise and thank you that when we fall and we do we don't always live by the spirit sometimes we live by the flesh and we thank you that you've made a priesthood that can forgive sin in your authority that we have a way back that we can stay in communion with you we praise you for the gift of life and all that it holds for each one here And we thank you that you are a good and loving, merciful God with steadfast love that will forgive absolutely anything if we just humble ourselves to repent and confess. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of life and your gospel of life. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That was part two of the book of Genesis, chapter four, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit Seeking Truth Net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.